Hello, I'm Dr. Jimmy Smith, and I'm very thankful for this another wonderful opportunity in the teaching and preaching of the Word of God. And today we're in the book of St. Luke and chapter 11, looking at verses 1 through 4, as the Word of God speaks to us concerning how to pray. And we're very thankful that now, after salvation, we can talk to God. Before salvation, the only prayer we had was the prayer of accepting Jesus Christ as our Savior. But after salvation, the Lord, he says, come, come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and grace and help during our time of need. But just because we can pray doesn't mean we automatically know how. That prayer, like anything else, is something that we have to learn. And so we thank God for the Word of God. And one of the reasons why we study the Bible is to learn how to live. And today, let's talk about the specifics concerning learning how to pray. In the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 11, we see Jesus Christ depicted as the perfect man. In the Gospel of Luke, we see that the Holy Spirit writes to the Gentiles, revealing Jesus as the God-man or the perfect man. And we see Jesus praying. Well, he's God. And if God prayed, certainly you and I, we ought to pray. And prayer, like anything else, is something that we have to learn. We come to the Lord a certain way. God is a God of order. He's a God of righteousness, a God of holiness. God has a decree. He has a plan. He has a standard. And one of the reasons why we have the 66 books in the Holy Bible is not just to learn of his might and his power and to learn history, but to learn his divine order by which he has decreed. And so he has given a certain decree as it pertains to prayer. We know that once saved, always saved. We cannot and will not lose our salvation, but we're still in the flesh and we sin by word, by thought, and deed. And the sin causes you and I to no longer be in fellowship with God. And so when we pray in order to get back in fellowship, the texts tell us in 1 John 1, 9 to confess. The term confess means to admit. It means to acknowledge. It means to agree with God that that which I have said, that which I have done and thought is sin. And then we find ourselves back in fellowship with God so that now I can talk to the Lord. And as we come and speak to the Lord, note this chapter, please, in St. Luke chapter 11. Let's begin in verse 1. And the Bible says, and it came to pass that while he, referring to Jesus, was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. What a great text, as all of them are great. What a great desire, a great passion, a great longing. He says, in essence, Lord, teach me how to talk to God, the God of the universe, the God who is in absolute, complete control. 
the God who never sleep, he never slumber. He's never weak. He's mighty. He's sovereign. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's omniscious. He's love. He's holy. Here the disciples said, Lord, teach me how to talk to that God, the only God, the one and true God of the universe. Oh, what a good request. I need to know how to connect with my maker. In him, I live and move and have my being. I need to know how to reach his ear. I need to know, beloved, I need to know. And, and we see that here, if you will, here in, in verse 1 of chapter 11. The book is St. Luke. And uh, he says, and it came to pass that as Jesus was praying in a certain place, how significant that is. I pray better in some places versus other places. I need my place to meet with God. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 35, we see the text says that Jesus got up early in the morning to go somewhere to a solitary place and to meet with God in prayer. How powerful that is. Beloved, I say to you, we need a place to go meet God. And when we go and meet him there, there's no one else there but God and I. Jesus, our Lord, Jesus, our sustainer, Jesus, our boss. We see the sovereign God setting for us a great example on when to come to God, how to come to God. Verse 1, again, and it came to pass that as Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us, teach us, teach me, teach us to pray, suggesting that just because now I'm in the family and now I can come. And Hebrew says, yes, come and come boldly. Doesn't mean that I automatically know how. That prayer, like anything else, is something that I have to become a student of and learn and read and digest and commit to and follow. That's what it says there. Teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And Jesus said unto them, when you pray, say our Father, which art in heaven. What a great text. When you pray, acknowledge the person that you're speaking to. Be clear, be specific. And it says in verse 2, when you pray, say our Father, which art in heaven. And then it says, even before we get to the gimme's, before we get to what I need, what I want, what is urgent, what is pending, the text says, spend some time giving God honor, giving him praise. We praise God for who he is, and we praise him for what he has done. Spend some time giving God praise, magnifying his name, saying how great thou art, reminiscing 
on what he already has done for the child of God. Uh, what does that do for me? Well, uh, as we think about what it does for God, he, he, he appreciates, he deserves he deserves the recognition. He deserves the praise. He's God and he's God all by himself. He is the one who spoke and caused the world to come to pass. He is the one who is sustaining the world by the power of his word. He is God and he is sovereign. He is the owner, sustainer of this vast universe. And so uh, we magnify him, we adore him, we worship him, we say thank you Lord, we, we magnify your name. But what does that do for me? It reminds me, because all too often unfortunately there are times when believers remember how to pray or to pray when all is not well, when there's trouble, when there's sickness, when there's disaster, when there's a financial crisis, when all is not well, things are not going well with my children, not going well with my health, not going well with my finances. Oh, we remember how to pray. We know how to pray and we pray. And we labor in prayer and we toil in prayer. No one complains about praying so long or too long when there's trouble. And so, beloved, when I come to God and when I magnify his name, uh, yes, he deserves it. But I need reminding that God, he has me. God, he knew about my trouble before I knew it was coming. And God is able, oh, hallelujah, he's able. He's in the keeping power. He's in the delivering power. He's in the setting the captive free power. Oh, we say thank you, Lord. Thank you for being better than I've been to myself. And so when we come, we acknowledge the person that we're speaking to, our Father, which are in heaven. And we begin instantly, even before getting to the crisis and getting to the calamity, the tragedy, the trial, the tribulation the disaster. We spend the time just giving God homage, giving him praise, giving him adoration. And that's what the text says. What a great verse. Verse two. And he said unto them, when you pray, say our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done as in heaven, so in earth talks about, Lord, come and come quickly. The next event on the prophetic calendar is the rapture of the church. After the rapture, we see the seven years of tribulation on planet Earth. And we see God pouring out his wrath on the unbelievers. And we see a lot going on in the book, the Revelations chapter 16 through 19. All of that refers to the tribulation period. Then after the tribulation period, we see God will establish his kingdom. His kingdom on planet earth. And the saints will be there. The Old Testament saints will be there. The New Testament saints, which is the church age, will be there. The tribulation saints will be there, those who will become redeemed during the seven years of tribulation on planet Earth, and they will have to give up their life, will be there. And on planet Earth will be a great place of peace, a great place of harmony. Even the animals will get along. 
Even the reptiles will get along. Even the mammals will get along. Hallelujah. And so he says, when we pray, acknowledge the person that you're speaking to. Begin the process of honoring him and worshiping him and giving him praise. And acknowledge, Lord, your will be done, even as we think about what we're going through. Lord, your will be done. Lord, I resign to your will. Lord, I die to myself. And thy will be done. Even before getting to the gimme's. Note there in verse 3, give us day by day our daily bread. The reason why we may have the passion to pray is because I have a need, I have a problem, I have a concern. But beloved, may we grow to the place spiritually. May we grow to the height in God where I come to him because I love him. I come to him because I need him. May there not have to be a crisis in order for me to bend the ear of God if you want to. We don't want the Lord to say, listen, there's a strange voice calling me today. Haven't heard from you in a while. May that not be the case. May you and I have a relationship with the living God, a relationship with the king, a relationship with the sovereign owner, sustainer, master of this great, vast universe in whom we live and move and have our being. And then, beloved, we pray because we love him. We pray and we make our requests known. Give us day by day our daily bread. Lord, I have a need. I have a need. I need water every day. I need food every day. I need oxygen every second. I need you to keep me. Because the devil wants to destroy me. I need a good night's rest. I need peace of mind which surpass all understanding. I need the joy of the Lord because it is my strength. I need hope that is everlasting. Oh Lord, would you give me day by day my daily bread? I could use some breakfast, some lunch, and some dinner may not need everything that I have ordered as it relates to the body, but thank you, Lord, for the nourishment that you provided for this temple of the Holy Spirit. Verse 4, he says, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. Forgive us, Lord, for we understand that we're still in the flesh. We sin by word, we sin by thought, and we sin by deed. And sin causes me to no longer uh, walk with the Lord, to be in fellowship with the Lord. And so I must inquire about the forgiveness of my sin, not my neighbor's sin, my own, so that I may be in fellowship with God. In fact, beloved, one of the uh, reasons why believers do not experience answer to prayer is because they're out of fellowship with God. And in order to get back in fellowship again, there must be the confession. There must be the admitting of my calamity, of my sin, of my wrongdoing uh, that I've committed by word and, and by thought and by deed. And that gets me back in fellowship with God. We're so glad that the blood of Jesus will never lose its power. 
verse 4, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. The Spirit of God will never lead us to do the wrong thing. The flesh will lead us. The world will lead us. The devil will lead us. The demons will lead us. There's never a time, never, never, a time when I can say that I've done the wrong thing, I've said the wrong thing. I've had the wrong thoughts because of God. God is holy. He does all things well. This is a prayer asking that you and I might have deliverance from evil. Deliverance from the persuasive ability of my ancient foe, the devil. And this also is a prayer request that suggests that you and I must study the word of God. You and I must engage in the teaching, in the preaching, in the study, in the reading of God's word. Ephesians in chapter 6 verse 18 speaks to us that yes, we are overcomers. We're overcomers because of putting on, not laying aside, not Throwing away, but putting on the word of God, putting on the whole armor of God so that I will be able to withstand the diverse, many cunning devices of my ancient foe, the devil who know that he is defeated and yet he is relentless. Oh, thank you, Lord, for the privilege for the opportunity, for the authority, for the power of prayer. Beloved, may it be true of you and I that we have found our place. Note the text, and I love this verse. This verse is a powerful verse. This verse speaks to me. I'm inspired by this verse. In St. Mark chapter 1, verse 35, but before we get to 35, and even after reading 35, we come in contact with the awareness of our ancient foe, the devil, that he is relentless, that he is around us, seeking to lure us, to persuade us, to cause us to go astray. We see that several times in St. Mark in chapter 1, but also we see the invitation to talk to God about it. What a text. In St. Mark chapter 1, verse 35, and in the morning, rising up a great while before day, personal pronoun, he refers to Jesus, and he's God. If Jesus prayed, certainly I need to pray, I must pray, I have to pray, if God prayed to God. Oh, I need to pray. Jesus went out and departed into a solitary place. A specific place. A designated place. A place in mind. Knowing that only God and I 
would be there in the Texas and there prayed. Note the period. Help us, Lord, in the name of Jesus, to take prayer serious and help us to be found on bended knee within our heart, with the humble heart coming to the sovereign God. Grant it to be so we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.